in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE and the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode nine. Joining me today is my awesome co-host, Patrick Pister. How you doing today, Patrick? Yeah, very well, Mark. How you doing? It's uh, The weather's gorgeous outside. It's I was laughing at myself because I went to the gym this morning and I had the air conditioner cut off and the windows down the sunroof open. I looked down and it said 79 degrees. <laughs> and only if you're in Houston does 79 feel uh, rather fallish. Yeah, it's, it's finally cooled down a little bit. I went for a jog around the lake on, on Saturday and I wasn't, I wasn't dying of, of heat exhaustion at the end of it at, at noon. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I'm, I'm ready for the cool weather to get here. And football season. <laughs> oh, that's right, football season. Our last show, you were um, in the middle of a game. Yeah, we actually went over to a friend's house this past weekend, and I think my one-year-old partied a little too hard. He got a, <laughs> he got a stomach virus. He had one too many wine coolers before he got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and you weren't feeling too well earlier. Nope, uh, that was a, it must have been a little bit of a stomach bug, but it may have been going to the U of H game Thursday night and uh, watching them <laughs> knock the stuffing out of UConn. Yeah, yeah, you might maybe get too too excited over all that. <laughs> so, um, uh, good stuff. Let's uh, jump into our, our our news section. This is actually a good find. You found this one. Yeah, and it's it's actually not a very positive article, but it does shed some light on on the way things are going in this downturn. The article's from uh, Hazard EX or Hazx, and it's an article from uh, Norway's oil and gas sector risk trends figures show negative development. So they're actually talking about a negative trend in the HSC environmental incidents, safety incidents. And they actually talk about a fatality that happened in the uh, in the North Sea. This uh, I think this this all these numbers are to 2015, not from 2016. So is the trend that they're having more incidents? They, yeah, they're having uh, more hydrocarbon leaks year over year. They're having more well control incidents. They're having more more incidents. And again, the one fatality which they didn't have the year before. I, I try not to get too focused on numbers like this because if you're not looking at the month over month trend, if you just look from one year to the next. You can you can make an assumption. You, you kind of jump to a, a conclusion that maybe this is actually within bounds, but it's they're having a few more incidents. So they don't really go into the how they analyze their numbers to say it's it's more uh, more incident happening. The concerning part in this article is the survey they did with oil and gas workers, and they're saying that they are feeling rushed. That they're they need to get outside the bounds of their safety protocols. To get the job done, which when you think of oil and gas, that's the old school mentality. Everything you and I have talked about and how the industry's been going has been fighting those trends. Yeah, you know, I wonder, so a couple of thoughts. I wonder, number one, is this low crude price market, and the North Sea is being hit harder than, than other parts of the world, is this low crude price market causing people to skip uh, the steps they need to take because they're trying to get stuff done you know, on budget, on time? Or the other part of this is the North Sea is a mature, uh, is mature. The fields are mature, 
So a lot of these um, production platforms are headed toward decommissioning, which naturally means that you're going to start having more hydrocarbon leaks because your pipes are older, your pumps are older, your casing's older. And that's what, when you decommission, you go clean all that stuff up. So, you know, naturally when you're in a mature field offshore, when you're getting close to decommissioning, if you watch that trend, you start actually having more leaks because everything's old. So I'm not sure which way this goes, but this is um, this is a good find, Patrick. Yeah, like I said, the it, the, the numbers again. If you don't know exactly how they were how they were put together or over uh, how they were trended, or if they were trended at all, um, it's less concerning to me than the. Uh, I found the comment here that the oil and gas employees are experiencing greater pressure to work in a way that threatens safety, and say they have less ability to influence HSE situations themselves. And that's the more concerning part of this article. Although it doesn't get a lot of attention, they focus more on the numbers. That's what is that's what's concerning to me. The employees feel like they have to work in an unsafe manner to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. So I, I you know, people out there to listen to us, I get it. Um, you know, it's um, it's 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 not money's not everywhere up and upstream in the service company like it was before. But you, you never you never want to risk your, your people. So, you know, if you think about if you think about having to skip steps or do stuff outside your safety protocol, just don't do it. No, it's definitely not worth the risk and. You're going to cost more downtime, more money, more issues if you have a an HSC event, whether that's environmental or a, a personal injury incident. Yeah, by far the cost is way worse <laughs> when you actually have an, an incident than when you don't have an incident. You run over a couple hours on your job site. Absolutely. Yeah, good find. So um, this is cool. This kind of leads right into, since we're talking about the North Sea, the, your Red Wing Tip of the Week. The Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week is when you're traveling for work, about getting all your documentation in order. You may think you have it or the company's got it covered. Believe me, you need to ask certain questions. And I've got a laundry list of items here. Uh, we may need to put this in a checklist. Red Wing can, can let you download. But um, your visas for entering the country, what do you need to go there? Not just to get into the country, but if you're gonna work in the country, there are different visa requirements. All your HSE documentations, if you need a Hewitt, if you need any licenses to work within the facilities that you're going to, you don't want to get sent away from your client or the facility you're going to work at because you don't have all your safety documentation. Let me back you up, Patrick, because you actually said an acronym. I don't know what it means. Hewitt, is that the helicopter training thing? Yes, that's the helicopter underwater egress training. And that's basically when the helicopter goes down, they want to train you to get out and know what to do in an emergency situation. It, yeah, everybody just calls it Hewitt, but it's the helicopter uh, survival training. Is that, that's where they stick you in the mock-up and they dump you in a pool upside down? Yeah, and they've gotten really sophisticated. The first one I was in was just a, a welded steel frame and they pulled a pin and you dropped into the water pretty violently. <laughs> and then the class physically had to lift it up and let somebody pin it back in place. Now these things are suspended from cranes. They'll roll it over. It automatically writes itself, but and they've got divers on side. It's all right. Uh, and, and, yeah, sorry to keep going down the list. Your insurance documents from health insurance, life insurance, those change when you leave the country and when you go overseas for work. Renter's insurance, if you're gonna be living overseas, a lot of times your companies property insurance isn't going to cover your personal effects. I know this from experience. I got broken into when I was living in Australia and the policy I was under with the company I was with didn't cover my personal effects. It covered the company's. So it was a, it was a bummer. And then the, the life insurance, um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but another company that's very well known in the oil field sent an employee overseas did not change him over from a uh, domestic to an expat package and long story short his life insurance was lost in the wind oh, and un no. unfortunately uh, and I knew the guy in school 
Uh, he ended up losing his life overseas uh, in a freak accident. And I found out of it after the fact that the life insurance coverage wasn't actually there. The company ended up making it right, but you need to ask the questions. Am I covered? You need to ask your HR people, when I leave the country, what international health insurance am I covered under? What phone numbers do I call if I need to, if I need to get a hold of somebody, whether that's medical or travel or anything else? Um, make sure your passports are up to date and have enough blank pages in the back, because that, that's another issue. You need to have enough blank pages in your passport to to go to some countries or to even leave the country. Uh, you know, let your credit card company know that you're going to be traveling overseas. Let the local embassy know once you get in country in case they have any travel notifications or need to get you out of the country. They know what address you're staying at and, and they can find you. Um, and international phone plan, you know, whether it's a, a different SIM card or your provider knows you're going to be traveling overseas, that it's going to work when you're out there. And you're not going to be slammed with all kinds of overage charges. There's, a, like I said, a laundry list of items you need to worry about when you're going overseas. But a lot of times these assignments happen day before, day of, you got to get on a flight. Yeah, and, and one of the things that uh, you skipped over here, which you and I had a conversation before, is the whole secondary passport thing. I And that was when you and I talked about this off the mic a while ago, but that was something that was new that I had never heard of before. You want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, um, certain countries that are deemed high risk by the State Department, the U.S. State Department, um, the the U.S. will grant you a secondary passport that's good for two years, and that's in case going overseas your passport gets confiscated. You still have a U.S. passport that can get you into an embassy out of the country back to the U.S. Now, they have two separate passport numbers, so you can't come and go on separate passports. You really just use that secondary one in, a, in the case of an emergency. Right. Or if you're running low on pages in your primary passport, use that secondary passport to come and go and, and get stamps on that one. Uh, but there are some requirements you have to meet. It, it usually is a, uh, a corporation has to file on your behalf to get the secondary passport. They have to prove that the country you're going to do business in meets these high-risk criteria. I know Angola and Nigeria both qualify. That's where I was working when I got mine. If you're going somewhere that you think may be sketchy, check with your company to see if, if it qualifies to get you a secondary passport. Check in on if you if you're going overseas and into a place that you're not quite sure about. Yeah, and it's these are actually really great points because you know I, I'm guilty of a lot of this myself. I'll jump on a plane and just go somewhere, somewhere else in the world, and I don't always think through all of this sort of stuff. So yeah, we'll put together. I'll put together actually a checklist and we'll throw it in the show notes so that you um, you know people can download it if they find this useful. And you want to be on the up and up when you're going into a, a new country. The the visa requirements they do change when you're going for business versus going for a, a holiday. I have heard of a lot of people who just say, oh, just tell them you're going on, on vacation, look like a tourist, and, and don't say you're going over here for business because they'll charge you extra or this, that, and the other. Well, that's not the right way to do things. You don't, want to, you don't want to lie to a foreign nation when you're coming into their country as a guest. Yeah, no, that's not a good idea ever. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like it when people do that to us. Trust me, the other countries don't like it if we try to do that to them. And it also really doesn't make a lot of sense because um, your company's picking up the tab for everything. And you want to make sure that you're there legally, um, and that you don't set a bad precedence for your company in another country. Yeah, so good stuff. Uh, if you travel to work, make sure you have all these type of documents in order. And like I said, I'll put together a checklist and we'll throw it in the show notes. So uh, your topic, Patrick, this is this is actually kind of cool. You're looking at data to track trends. Well, it was the it was the news article that really got me thinking. Um, and this is kind of the stuff I do, you know, visualize data so it's easy to understand. If uh, if you go to the the show notes and you check out the article, they make some claims about 
hydrocarbon releases from year year on year. But if you don't know exactly what they're looking at, if they're just looking at a, let's say they're looking at, at October this year and October next year, well, you really need to look at, at more data. I would rather see for the last five years, the, the industry has been trending into, into better numbers, but in 2015, there was a spike and things are actually operating outside of the statistical norms that they're they're supposed to. And a really easy way to visualize this data and to know when something's operating outside of its uh, of its controls are IMR charts. What's an IMR chart? Individual observations and the uh, standard deviation is calculated using the moving range. Basically all it does is it tracks each point of data that you have and using the moving range it throws in an upper limit and a lower limit and shows you your mean, your average. Got it. What you want to look for there is if your process is operating within control. Normal random variation in the system, which is fine, the number is going to go up and down around the mean, but it should not jump above that upper limit and it should not fall below that lower limit. Those limits aren't set by the user. They're set by the standard deviation. You can't change those. Now you can put in your own specifications. If you've got a, a, a minimum requirement you want met, you can set that in there and see where you fall. But those upper limits and lower limits just tell you if your system is, if your process is operating normally, if there's no special variation affecting your operations. Yeah, you gotta be real careful with data. Um, because if you don't know the context of how this data was collected, um, it doesn't always mean that the data actually shows you anything worthwhile. And this, this is something we do run into all the time with market research. Like we're talking about this North Sea article earlier and how they had um, you know, more hydrocarbon releases. But are there more wells? Is the percentage of releases per well actually less or more? I mean, you, know, you, you need to understand where this data is coming from to see if you can actually use it for, for a worthwhile process. And I, I see this a lot um, with uh, companies trying to sell things. They'll, they'll take the data and they'll, they'll use it in a way that sh highlights what they're trying to sell to the market. But it's not all of the data, or it's not complete, or it's not a good representation. Think, things like having a mean, having an average, of, and, and actually being able to see the movement of that, that's vital. So just because you have data, it doesn't necessarily mean that it shows anything. It's just like a study. One study is not proof of anything. <laughs> it's just a study, right? Until that study has been repeated by independent third person, third party, um, it's been validated. Um, it's, it's, it's just a study. And that the data is just the data. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's worthwhile for anything. And we mentioned in the last episode about knee-jerk reactions, and that kind of extends to when you look at data and you see a, what you think is a spike or what you think is a dip, and you start making adjustments based on that. But if that spike or that dip was within your limits, then everything's, everything's normal. and Everything's it's, fine, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just random variation in your, in your process. Now, you can redesign the process to raise or lower that mean, and you shift the whole process. But if you're just looking at one data point that spiked or dropped, now you're doing what's called tampering. And there are different ways that you tamper that cause greater or less problems in the system. But every, every instance of the tampering is bad. So looking at two right. data points, this one spiked, we need to do something about it. That's tampering. And that's actually going to put your process even more out of control. Yeah, it's, it's actually going to throw another wrench in the work that doesn't need to be there. But it happens all the time in oil and gas, and especially if you're just looking at a, a red light, green light, this month was this number, and next month is this number. Or well, last year, our sales numbers were, were this in, in the month of October or June or, or whenever. But you have to look at the at the trended data. Is it operating within its, within its statistical controls, or is it actually something that we need to be concerned about? 
Yeah, that, that trend is probably more important than the actual data. Which way is it going? Is the arrow going up or is the arrow going down? Yeah, and to get back to the uh, the article that we were talking about, I would love to see that that data broken up. Even you know, find some subsets. You know, is it one company that's causing causing the spike? Is it is it one field that's causing the spike? Uh, like you right. said, is it old assets that are causing the spike? Just looking at a a blanket statement that this number was one thing one year and it's another thing this year that doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah, and for, for people that are in the industry that don't know the North Sea, don't get scared. The North Sea is actually, environmentally, it's a dangerous place to work. But the North Sea has a great safety record. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've had incidences, they've made mistakes, and they've learned from it. And so, um, um, Patrick, have, you've done work in the North Sea, right? I've never done work offshore okay. in the North Sea. I've, I've been up in Aberdeen, I've been in Norway, uh, but never actually offshore in, in the okay. North Sea. Yeah, if anybody... I'm sorry, that, that's not true. In, in college, we took the, uh, the the school ship up to the Arctic Circle just so we can get our blue nose. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so if we have any listeners out there that have done work in the North Sea, reach out to us and, and listen, let, let us, you know, we'd love to hear about your experience out there. I've, I've spent um, a good bit of time in Norway. And I've actually uh, made a couple of trips offshore. Um, and, and, you know, they have everything locked down. And they, they have to because the environment's so harsh out there. Um, but it's a, you know regardless of our article, North is a very safe place for, for people to work. Yeah, and even better than just working offshore, if you have some of the your company's safety numbers for the North Sea, is this article accurate? Are you seeing a an increased trend in injuries in in loss of containment? Do you think this article is representative of what you're experiencing? Yeah, we we, we would love to hear back from you about that. Um, and speaking of that, you know, one of the things, if you're an HSE professional in oil and gas, and I don't, you know, I don't mean you have to be a senior leader, but you work in this industry, uh, reach out to us. We're starting to interview more and more people, more and more HSE leaders. And, you know, Patrick, one of the things that today I was actually at a, um, a, a drilling company and talking to their senior HSE guy who's going to be on our show. And one of the things that he brought up to me that I had never thought of before is we don't ever get any limelight. The HSE guys, our company doesn't like us. <laughs> you know, we're looked at as the bad guys. And it's like nobody ever pats us on the back. And I go, wow. So if you're an HSE and you want to be patted on the back, we'd love to have you as guests on our show. All you have to do is reach out to Patrick and I and we'll figure out the details. Yeah, and let, it us know, let us know what you're doing that's going right. Let us know what you're doing that, that you thought was going to work but, but ended up not. You know, what is your company doing to make things safer for your employees and safer for the environment? Yeah. And, and let us get you on the show. Maybe get you discovered by Hollywood or something. Yeah, so it's a good deal. It's um, it's, it's be interesting, Patrick, moving forward as we have all these new technologies. You know, we're talking about data here, but you have you know all this big data analytics. I just had I was on a call today with a company that does big data analytics and oil and gas. It's it's gonna be interesting to watch and see if they can actually uncover stuff that humans can't. Um, you know, we talked earlier on one of our shows about how I had a. a um, got a chance to see that happen in real life the more that sort of stuff that happens you know the more it's could drive good safety metrics in this industry which is you know which is a cool thing yeah i, I think the industry as a, as a whole is getting safer I, it's unfortunate to see numbers that are, are to the contrary of that in the north sea but again i always you know take numbers with a grain of salt and you especially in, in articles i hope the north sea is not operating i, I hope they're not going down a, a path that that's going to lead to more injuries no, I, I don't believe that for a second. I, you know, things are changing, right? The, the fields are mature. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are still worried, are still trying to force exploration and production, and it's just not going to happen in North Sea. It's just, it's too expensive. Um, if you're a company and you're, you're wondering what, and you work in the North Sea or you depend on the North Sea, look at decommissioning. Look at what it takes to do it and see if you can do it better or cheaper, because there's 
hundreds of millions of dollars to be made in the next 20 years for decommissioning North Sea. So there's still opportunity there. It's just not going to be EMP work. I should have had two articles uh, when I was browsing through uh, one of the industry sites. I saw that some university is offering a master's degree in de- decommissioning. Wow. <laughs> that That's cool. That, so I'll, I've never I'll, heard of that before. I'll go find the article and I'll, I'll link back to it so you can, y'all can go check it out. I, I didn't read enough into it to, to, to remember who was... Who's offering the degree program? But y'all should go check it out. And yeah, now I'm curious about who it is. I, I, I'd be willing to bet it's somebody that has a, a student population in the North Sea area. I'd, I'd I want to say it was it was somewhere in Aberdeen or yeah or around there. But again, it'll be in the show notes. So y'all go check it out. Mark, let's hear about the winner of Red Wings Offshore Bag this week. And this week winner is Jamie Silva. Jamie's a safety coach with CAVU International. So congratulations, Jamie! You won this awesome Red Wing Offshore Bag. So Patrick. You know, congratulations to this week's winner. Uh, this is a great bag. I actually got a new one, Patrick. Oh, so an even cleaner bag. <laughs> even, yeah, even cleaner. I, and this one has wheels on it. Oh, you got the big, you got the upgrade. Yeah, it's um, it, for people that are listening, We um, when we do our uh, podcast on the road, I have all of our podcast equipment in a Red Wing bag. Well, our podcast equipment has grown to the point where it doesn't fit in the Red Wing bag anymore. So I asked uh, if they could send me a bigger one, and they did. And so now I'm going in style. A bigger Red Wing bag, got wheels on it. It's going to be easy to get our equipment in and out of places. If you want to win your own Red Wing bag, and these things are in high, high, high demand, they're really cool. It's really easy. You go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. No purchase necessary. See official site for rules and details. It's really easy. Just go put your name and your email address in there. We pull one winner a week, and then the following week we announce that winner. So if you want a bag, go fill in the stuff at redwingshoes.com podcast, and good luck to you. LinkedIn group now, so we we need y'all to go on and uh, and sign up for the LinkedIn group. It's a it's a great resource in the oil and gas industry. It's not just HSC; it's the oil and gas global network. So that's everybody that works in oil and gas around the world contributing to this group. And if you go to LinkedIn and just type in OGGN, it'll pop right up. It should be easy to find. Yeah, uh, it's but, um. Sorry, go to, ahead, Mark. Yeah, we're up to fifteen hundred members, and it's growing like crazy. All of the new stuff that we have coming out. Both Patrick and I and everybody else in the Oil and Gas Global Network, it's going to be announced there first. So if you want to know what we what we announce, if you want to know what we're doing that's new, um, you go join the LinkedIn group. You'll be one of the first people. And we have some live events coming up that, uh, that we're going to be doing where we're going to actually try to get audience. Um, so if you want to participate in a podcast from being an audience, once again, go sign up for the LinkedIn group. Yeah, and this isn't just Mark's propaganda machine. There's It's a community. Everybody's sharing asking questions, and just providing value to your other colleagues, co-workers in the oil and gas industry. Yeah. And then if you've listened for this long, can you do me a favor? Please, please, please. We need reviews desperately. Um, it's, it takes two or three minutes to give us a review. It helps us rank higher in the search uh, engines and in iTunes so that when your fellow uh, oil and gas people that are they're interested in hs and look, they can find us. So take two minutes, give us a review, and, and, and I will tell you thank you ahead of time. <laughs> And then uh, finally, if, uh, if you can do us one more additional favor, please share the show. Anybody in your company and your family <laughs> that has an interest in the HSE and oil and gas, just let us know we exist. Um, it's, it's, we're in growth mode, and we're trying to get in front of a bunch of people. So if you can help us do that, we would love it. And we'll be around a lot longer if you do. <laughs> yeah, we will be around for a lot longer. Uh, Patrick, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it, Mark. All right. So, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. 
Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. So, Patrick, I have a question. Yes, sir. You know the bar soap, like in the shower? Yeah. How little do you let that get before you throw it away? Oh, uh, minuscule. I mean, down to the uh, subatomic level. I let that thing go as small as I can get it before I mash it into the new bar of soap to create a bigger, stronger... I just had that conversation with somebody, and it's that's what they do. They don't ever throw it away. They, They mold it into another bar of soap, and it's like, I just throw it away. The only time I throw it away is if it's my gym bar of soap and it falls and makes contact with the floor. Then it's gone. Then it's dead forever. It's gone forever. <laughs> yeah, good stuff here.